Hello there. Welcome to this week's episode. It is number 132, I believe. And it's the first time I have a guest back on the show since the whole thing began. Been teasing this sort of return guest uh, episode for a while and delighted that this one is with an expert in the area of leadership, John Eads. So I know a lot of you that listen are in the professional game and have an interest in leadership and potentially growing to be a better leader and looking at different aspects, as do I. And I was delighted to get John back on the show. He's a CEO of his own company called Learn Loft, and he has a new book coming out in a couple of weeks called Building the Best. He has been working with leaders across industries for a number of years, and I was very intrigued by his video posts and his newsletter that comes out on a Friday, Thursday that has lots of great information. So delighted he came back and we dove deep or dived deep into culture, innovation and the areas of developing teams. How do you develop your your talent? And I don't think you have to be a leader to get a lot from this one. You can be a leader in your own space, in your own mindset and there's certainly great stuff from this. Just listen into how precise and clear John is about the definitions of certain words like what leadership is and what culture is. So take lots from it, take some notes, hope you enjoy it. And before I let you go, the only way I can get this show further out there is your help. So if you could spare five seconds, give it a retweet or a share or a like or a mention or even in the real world, mention it to somebody else, have a chat with them. I got a couple of emails in the last week or so from people that just connected with the show and get a lot from it, especially in the areas of personal development and professional development. So that's great, but more of your sharing will help with that. The show is always free, so what I get from it, I learn and grow, and I hopefully you guys do as well. So keep helping me to, to get it out there, share it. And that would be very welcome. That's my little intro for this week. I am keeping them shorter because I do listen to feedback. I hope you enjoy this week's episode with John Eads. Take it easy. And as always, have a great day or weekend or whatever day it is. Just enjoy it. Make the most of it. And good luck. Welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of 1% Better. This one is uh, definitely another first for the show. It's the first time I'm welcoming back a guest of the 130-something episodes, which Seems like a lot, I suppose, but once you kind of get into it, they ratchet up quite quickly. Welcoming back a, a leadership expert, somebody I'm learning from on a weekly basis, sends out a newsletter on a Thursday that I look forward to every week and I steal stuff from and uh, use in my day-to-day life and job. John Eads, welcome back to the podcast. Rob, thank you for having me. Great to have you back. And Back with a purpose, I guess, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to get you back is because the areas that I want to focus on in this conversation drills into a specific area or two more so than our first conversation. That was a bit more about your background and, and certainly about leadership. I'm very interested in the areas of culture, innovation, talent, management, people, development, attraction of people. 
and how leaders are, are kind of looking at all of these areas and who better to, to kind of give me some insights and learnings than than your good self so so look forward to diving into that i will give a shout out and we can get to the end at the end as well you have a new book coming out building the best november 15th it's my birthday on the november 16th so i'm going to maybe treat myself to to a copy well um, we'll be sure to send you a free one then for your birthday no, I'm not looking for freebies here at all I'll raffle I'll give it out uh, to a listener perhaps maybe just before we get into the questions the book this has been coming for a while uh, how, how has that shaped up what was the process like it was a phenomenal experience a ton of work uh, but it, it's very when you see the final product and you you get the actual uh, visual back and it just becomes very real. And there's so many people that have gone into it. No book is written alone, much like your podcast has been built by yourself. There's so many people that have poured into me to help make it a reality. But anytime you get that, that book in your hands for the first time, it's a, it's a very unique feeling. And we partner with McGraw Hill here in the States. And so it's been a, um, it's been a phenomenal experience, Rob. And so I'm just so, uh, blessed i think grateful that i get to share these principles with others and to help them lead more effectively uh and culture's in that and there's a there's a piece of that uh where culture and is embedded in what a leader's role is and so there's a lot of similarities and things tied up in it with with what you want to cover today and so um yeah it was it's a phenomenal everybody should uh take the time to do it because there's a definition of discipline self-discipline that i've really become somewhat obsessed with and it's the willingness and the ability to sacrifice what you want now for what you want more later on the willingness and the ability to sacrifice what you want now for what you want more later on. And that book, in many ways, what, it took so much self-discipline, the, the getting up at 4.30 to write for two hours. Because when I got to the office, even though it's what we do, it's hard to write at work. So I, there were so many um, self-discipline moments to make that thing happen. And, and I don't say that to prop myself up, but to say to your audience that if you want something, if you have a vision for what you want in the future, there's a price to pay and you're going to have to pay it now to get it later. And if you're not willing to pay for it now, you're not going to get it later. And so you're not guaranteed to get it later if you pay the price now. But you certainly won't if you don't. So I, I would encourage all of your audience, whatever that thing is that's burning you that you want to go achieve or do or create uh, pay the price now mm -hmm. you're uh, singing the same hymn sheet definitely from from my mindset there i won't go into the whole 5 a.m starts but absolutely <laughs> it's key to to, uh, to to getting there and i love when you put definitions in place because your definition of leadership is one that I've reused, I've done presentations on lessons I've learned from leadership from the podcast and I put your definition in there and uh, when you recite the definitions it brought me right back to the, the one of the leadership one there. So, Well let's refresh them, refresh them real quick. Someone whose actions inspire, empower and serve in order to elevate others over an extended period of time and every single one of your listeners can live that thing out. Have you noticed any of that, that even change? Just a question off the cuff there. Has that that, that definition ever changed for you even in the last 12 months at all? A little bit, but not much. I mean, the only way we, we, we really like to use it to describe what it looks like. So when you talk about inspire, someone whose actions inspire, 
Um, the word inspire comes from a Greek word, which means to breathe life into. So if you as a leader, you as a dad, you as a colleague at work, can you breathe life into somebody else? I mean, what a great visual that is, Rob, to think about um, someone in your life who maybe breathe life into you. And I, and I think we all have someone like that at times, uh, but I love that visual. And then empowerment is all about helping other people make decisions, uh, giving them the, the power or the authority or, or whatever that might be. Because what we want is we want to teach people to be courageous and to make their own decisions because it's just a requirement in today's work environment. Um, so em- empowerment is all about decision making. And then serving is, is putting yourself at the service of other people, putting their needs ahead of your own. And if, if you can, if your actions can do any of those three things, we think you're then elevating other people, which is the key to successful leadership today. Mm-hmm. Very good. Good to refresh that as well to start us off on the right foot. So, so maybe let's dive into the area of culture. And I was talking to colleagues and, and people in, in leadership positions about how, how you can maybe look at other organizations' culture and apply it to your own and very much for me it's 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 copying well it's looking at but not copying right it's 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 taking maybe some of the good things and applying it to your own in your own unique way what are your experiences with the whole area of culture in organizations being over the last while how leaders approach it well i think it starts with the understanding what culture is and what culture isn't very i mean we've all heard the quote culture eats strategy for breakfast peter drucker and culture is but a lot how of, we do things around here sort of thing is, as well as another <laughs> one isn't it that's right exactly right um and so there's a there's a lot of people that'll see quotes like that and they're like ah, yeah i kind of get it kind of don't well let's just get down to how we're going to go execute and i and i get that at the end of the day it does come down to execution we define culture as the shared values and beliefs that guide thinking and behavior the shared values and beliefs that guide thinking and behavior. And here's why it's so important for leaders to be concerned with, because they actually get to set that culture that exists within that organization or within that team. They can't choose for anybody else, Rob, but the culture is what helps people make the choices that you want as a leader. Because if that if that culture the culture is going to exist whether you like it or not it's going to evolve it's going to move in a direction it's one of these things that exists whether you do anything or not so you might as well be proactive in setting the culture that you want and then you ask the question of well can we look at other cultures and take what we absolutely we can um, but the key is knowing that you can't go steal anybody else's culture you can't it your yours is going to take on a life of its own in your team or your organization. Um, you know, there's examples of like a Chick Fil A in the states, or I'm trying to think of a good example in Europe. But there there's there's these organizations that they don't have a patent on the culture that they create. They might have a patent on their technology or on a product. They don't have a patent on culture. Any leader. Any organization can go develop a healthier and more elite culture, which ultimately will produce better behaviors from your people. And when behaviors become habits, they ultimately end up becoming results. Mm -hmm. Interesting. A question that I had come up with and had heard asked is if you look at organizations that are 100 years old or, you know, legacy considered around a long time, how do they 
change culture in that if they need to change it or if they need to get more modern and maybe there's innovation tied in there as well what do they typically do to turn that you know massive ship around or, or make some changes there well, I think it starts with understanding that it's always going to be changing. I mean, culture is never st- stagnant. Business changes on a day-to-day basis. So if if we think our culture is set and it will never change, we've, we've lost touch of what's important. Um, I mean, I know you are a big believer that, I mean, the only thing that's certain is change. And so cultures have to adapt to that, which is why – even cultures that have been around a long time, they, they'll change the executive leader at the top uh, when the culture starts going wrong. Or uh, we have a Wells Fargo Bank in, in the U.S. Um, they've had a lot of culture challenges uh, as it relates to the, the behaviors and the choices that their people are making. They receive some massive fines as it relates to some of the behaviors of their people. Well, that's just a culture thing. Yes, it's people making decisions, Rob, but it's the the culture in place that says it's okay to make poor choices because the bottom line, the earnings are what's most important. And so they've changed CEOs now four or five times in the last five years trying to get that culture right. And so uh, at the end of the day, the organizations that are really old or that have been around a long time – they will have to continue to develop their culture. And I think the key is it's leaders at the top of them that decide what direction do we want that culture to be going. Hmm. You mentioned changing CIOs four or five or CEOs four or five times in five or six years. How quickly can a culture start to change though? You know, do you give somebody is uh, is it an 18-month window, or, or, or how quickly can they start making significant? I think a lot of it depends on the complexity of the business or the environment that they're working in. So, you know, let, let's take a sports team for an example because I think it, we all can relate to it. Let's uh, Football, soccer, whatever you may be. You take over a, a, a football club that has been struggling for five, six, seven years. They, change, they sack their manager. They bring in a new manager. How much time are you going to give? him to turn it around in the soccer world i would think 18 to months year and a half to four years some it's a pretty wide range but we got to give them time to get their own players in to get the culture the way they want it to get the right coaching in place and that takes time so i think a lot of it depends on the complexity of the sport or the business with how much time you give someone but i will i will say that i think um, culture moving in the right direction leaves clues. The results might not be what you want day one or day 45 or day 60, but the culture will leave clues that you're moving in the right direction. And I think that's one way to start to measure, not necessarily, well, it's got to be by 18 months or it's got to be by 24 months. Because again, uh, if we're to use um, Simon Sinek's new work, you know, we're we're li- we're working in an infinite game, not a finite game. So it's there's no there, there's no end to it. So I don't like to always put dates on it. I like to look for clues that the culture is moving in the right direction. Mm, interesting, and that whole idea maybe of of quick wins or early wins that you can start sharing, um, I think is very very important to keep that sort of lens uh, in view. 
Absolutely. Now, this is where it gets where organizational leaders or leaders that are listening have to be thinking about what are the clues that I want to look for? If it's just the bottom line, if it's just revenue, uh, which is fine, that is absolutely something you can measure. I would prefer leaders to look for the behaviors of their people, the choices that their people are making and, and measure that versus the end result, because we can't always exactly determine the end result. But what we can control is the day to day, the behaviors, the choices. Are my people staying late? Are they putting in the work? Are they going above and beyond? Like, are, are the behaviors and the actions that I need to see every single day what we want? They'll, if they are, it will eventually show up on the scoreboard. And it's something to be really thoughtful of here for leaders that are trying to think about culture because, you know, yes, the scoreboard matters, Rob. The results do matter. But think about it this way. If all you look at is the results, people can c- cut corners to get the results that they want to portray in the marketplace. That doesn't mean they're going to sustain itself over time. Um, there was a baseball player here in the States named Mark McGuire. And at the back in the mid-90s, he hit more home runs than any other player in history in a season. And everyone thought he was the greatest home run hitter of all time. If all you looked at was the was the final results you would think he was the best home run hitter ever we found out later that he was the cheating the whole time wow so think about this almost like cycling in europe if all leaders look at is the results people can manufacture those things to tell the story that they want and they can cut corners and they can cheat and they could serve your clients poorly or whatever so I like to know what are those behaviors, what are those habits, are, 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 the, are those things moving in the right direction and ultimately the results will get what we want. But it's just a, it's a thoughtful question. Um, are you only looking at the results or are you looking at you know, the day-to-day, the choices, that, the behaviors of your people? Are you finding more and more leaders looking at the behaviors now, opening like the rise up to that than just on the results how much of it is lip service uh you know a lot of the time you hear of we talk about core values that define the culture and you talk about agility or or being nimble and when these kind of new behaviors aren't embedded early people revert to form and just kind of push hard to try and get the numbers done so there's a lot probably rolled up in that question but what are you noticing at the front lines I think there's without question the best leaders that get the best culture are really reliant on the values, the core values that they want. Because just think of that definition, the shared values, those are the fundamental beliefs you believe to be true. We share these fundamental beliefs that we believe to be true, values and beliefs that guide thinking and behavior. So that's why what you just mentioned is core values is so important. Um, because if you, if you're starting to see those values lived out every single day in your people, it's like, and we reward and we recognize and we talk about those things on an ongoing basis. Now, all of a sudden we're going to get more people making the correct choices. And when more people are making the correct choices, the results are going to be what we want. This is where it gets complicated, though, like all things in business. You know, we don't measure that. We measure what? Bottom line. 
we measure the bottom line. What do the numbers say at the end of the quarter? What do the numbers say at the end of the month? That's how we're compensated many times. So it's a it's a wrestling match inside of us as leaders um, because we know how we're measured, but we know what actually gets the results for how we measured isn't just by focusing on the end result. Um, there's uh, I love this idea of finding joy in the journey. And there's something there, Rob, when it comes to culture, which is can I as a leader in my team, can we enjoy the journey that we're on to get where we're trying to go? And and if we can, we're going to be much more likely to achieve the results that we want. Uh, but it's it's just it's kind of not common practice for leaders to focus on the journey because it's not how they're measured mm, or even how leaders focus on enjoyment right so i found through coaching talking to people it's it's almost like an expectation that people have in work is not to really enjoy it because if they're actually enjoying it it doesn't feel like it's work in some ways and they feel guilty or to feel like there has to be an associated pressure with work for it to be work if you know what i mean I might tie that a little closer to purpose, and I'm in. I'll explain. Uh, yeah, pre- high pressure. Nothing wrong with that. But we, one of the principles in the book is people persevere because of purpose, not pay. Now, if if you can get really tied into the purpose behind your work, or the purpose behind this team, and I'll share an example of a story. There's a there's a mortgage company here in the states, and one of the leaders of that mortgage team, she, she leads a team that creates the closing documents to buy houses. Imagine how much fun that is every single day, Rob, where you're just input data, create the documents, send them off. That's it. Day in, day out. It's like, it's, a it's like groundhog day. Same thing every single day, just different import data. Well, she knew how important this work was, but her team was really struggling. And so what she did is she had the mortgage brokers take a picture of the people signing those documents at closing. And then she, they, would, they would text them back to their team. And she said one day a single mom was signing these documents with her daughter on her lap buying their first home. And she said in an instant I saw the energy of my people change because that was their work that they were signing. Instead of just signing closing documents or creating closing documents, now that team is helping a dream become a reality for a single mom and her child. Now, you tell me where you would like to go to work tomorrow. Someone that's making the dreams become a reality for a single mom or someone that's just going to create closing documents. Mm. So I think at the core of culture of values of those kinds of things – has to be a deeper purpose in the work that you do. And I don't give a damn what kind of work you do. There is deeper purpose behind just making money. Absolutely. And it's a great like a story behind it. And, and storytelling is, is a huge part of, his, of leadership, I would imagine. I, I know, not just imagine, <laughs> but um, <laughs> other kind of approaches you've seen work that kind of start – leaving those clues is there tools or, or exercises uh you know i i think of rituals or 
you know, in a team environment where we have some mascot or somebody did a really good job that week and they got to bring the mascot home for the weekend or just kind of gimmicky. Yeah, things, my, but... my, my, is, I, I don't think they're gimmicky. They feel gimmicky at first, yeah. but they have great power. Uh, there's a, there's a, there are two stories I'll share. One is from a company here in, in North Carolina. They define five core values that they hire, measure, they hire, measure, and fire based on five core values. And they're not one word because a lot of people can name one word like honesty. No, they put them in short phrases so their people could understand what it, what it feels like to live that out. So they hire based on them. They ask questions based on them. They, the interview, they're very clear about them. But then when someone's not living up to those core values internally, they've actually had to fire people based on them. Right. And something's amazing. Something amazing's really happened because people always slip through the cracks or say the right things in the interview process. But when they started firing people, when the employees weren't living them out, the other employees said, wow, these guys are really serious about these core values because they're going to let someone go, not based on performance, but based on the fact that they're not living out these five core values. The company is called Skookum Digital. And I'm, I'm telling you, it has been transformational inside that organization when they fire based on them. <laughs> and the second one, I, the second one I want to I want to highlight is uh, there's a, a football coach in at Penn State University, and he's defined five core values for their team. And instead of giving out the MVP award award to the the most valuable player of the game, he gives out an award for the player who best lives out those five core values in front of the entire team. So now, now imagine you're in this team meeting. And he's giving out an award for someone that best served in the community or that, you know, I don't know what the five core values off the top of my head are. But imagine then you're watching your teammate get that award. What do you want to start doing? Mm-hmm. You want to do that I want the course. I want to get that award, too. He's given that out in front of the entire team praise, recognition. I can do that. So now I'm going to start changing my behavior and my choices to to better my odds of winning that award. And now all of a sudden you're creating a culture where you have all of these different individuals from all different backgrounds, all different races, all different families, and they're all starting to make choices in alignment with those five core values. Now you're starting to build culture that can scale. And that's where the power comes in. It's an amazing thing. Um, There's a guy named Brian Kite. He, He says, Culture leaders leaders produce the culture. Culture produces behavior. Behavior becomes results. And I just love that because it's like, here's this coach in, in Penn State. He's he's intentionally creating a culture that his people are now making choices, and those choices are showing up on the field on Sun on Saturday. And I think it's just it's the best. It's cool. You, you triggered a, an interesting kind of example in my own mind just i might share get your take on it a friend who uh who i work with was also in um a rugby coach and he's been involved in coaching kids and whatnot and they picked similar values and at the end of a training session or the end of a week camp or, or whatever instead of the coach picking the player that lived that value the most he would put it to the team to pick who that person mm. would be so it's 
maybe that's more is that more servant leadership it's more handing over the the power have you seen that sort of approach work does that ring any bells i think it's brilliant i mean talk about empowerment i mean which is the second part of leader uh, one of the things you can do to best elevate other people you're saying you you know each other you're working you're practicing with each other every day who's doing this and i think it it um i think it's a phenomenal idea I really do. There's so many creative things like that, Rob, where leaders, they, you know, they, they let the players give the game ball or they let the, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about them. It's about the team and the best leaders know that they're there to serve the team, not the other way around. And so, uh, I think it's a, it, it, some people like John, that's so corny. They say that all the time. I'm like, you know what? I don't care if it's corny. It works. Yeah. It's sticky. And people like it. People remember it. Yeah. That's exactly right. And if you, um, if you look at the, we look at four elements of team culture. Uh, and one of those four elements is unity. People need to feel like they're a part of something. There was a a study done about then there's this thing called the need to belong. And they did, they did a ton of research about this. And what they found is that people today, the need to belong is as important as food, shelter, food or shelter. I mean, Mm. talk about like really important. I mean, it's exactly right. And that's changed a lot. Maybe we've always wanted to belong to something and be part of a community, but just think about that now from a culture perspective or what that coach is doing. He's making each member of that, team feel like they belong because they're awarding the award and uh, I heard somebody say recently there's a big difference in uh, being alone and lonely right now we're right now we're not alone we're talking but one of us could be lonely and I think there's something for leaders to be really thoughtful of when they start thinking about improving their culture and creating unity within a team, which is we can't have people feeling lonely. We, we've got to make them feel connected to the group in some way to, to create community. And uh, I think it's just a wonderful visual, which is if leaders want to improve their culture immediately, make people feel like they belong. Mm, interesting you know the soccer team Arsenal in, in England of course so yeah. I'm an Arsenal fan and just last week the Arsenal coach whose his name is Unai Emery he's he's under fire a little bit but he, he was delaying picking his captain for for a long time even though everybody knew who he was going to pick but he supposedly gave all the players the option to write down who they thought would be the the best captain and then he took all the names in and then he announced who the captain was. And I heard that that being kind of weak leadership and that he wasn't being direct enough um, versus looking at it from a different perspective of, of empowering, you know, empowering the team. Can there be kind of a, a blurred line there some sometimes? I think so. I don't think it's weak leadership at all unless he just couldn't make the decision. I mean, I'm sure he could have. I, yeah. You don't get that position without being able to make a decision like that. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, again, I think what he's trying to do is to create a culture that says everybody's valued, everybody's opinion matters. Now, do I hold the right to pull Trump card? Yes. But, but I want you, I want to know who the team thinks should be the leader or the captain because 
they're going to be representing you. So I, I think it's actually brilliant and not the other way around. Now, you know, um, each, each, everybody's got a slightly different opinion or perspective. And this is where like, he's got to do what's in the best interest of his club. And your, your people listening that lead teams or lead organizations, they've got to do what's in the best interest of their club. They can't worry. They can't give a damn what anybody else says. Because once you start worrying what other people are saying from the outside, you've, you've lost your ability to create a culture internal that works. Uh, and which is really hard in a public eye, like, you know, like soccer or football. Uh, but for most of us that run our leaders and organizations, we don't have to worry about that as much, but certainly something to think about. I'll just move on to the idea of and the concept of innovation and how that's tied closely to culture. What are you seeing in the leaders you coach and talk with? And, uh, you know, again, from your experience, how organizations are building innovative cultures and tying that in? Well, I think there's one word that organizations and particularly ones that are innovative uh, understand better than organizations that are not, which is the word failure. Innovative cultures understand that failure is a part of innovation. Mistakes are going to happen when you're going to build innovation or you're going to have innovative things. And so how leaders handle failure and how they talk about failure and how they talk about mistakes is everything when it comes to innovation. There's a saying that I just love, which is failure is not final. Failure is feedback. Failure is not final. Failure is feedback. If you're going to go be innovative, if you're going to go create something new, if you're going to create a new product or invent a new way of doing something or, you know, try to solve a problem with with a new product or a new whatever it may be, and you're worried about what somebody else is going to say if you fail, what's the likelihood that you're going to solve it the best you possibly can? You'll be living in fear. Fear doesn't create innovation. Um, courage creates innovation. So just think about that, the definition of courage, being scared and deciding to do it anyways. Do you think people like uh, – there's a golf club manufacturer in the States called Callaway Golf. And their CEO, they, they were just struggling immensely, Rob. Uh, and their, their CEO is a, a man named Chip Brewer. And Chip Brewer came over to run this company going the wrong direction. And it was like his second week on the job. And these golf club, this team brought up this three wood and they were excited to show their new boss, this three wood. And he looked at this thing and he, without thinking at all, he said, this isn't good enough. We're not taking this to market. We were built to, to bring products to market that are demonstrably, demonstratively superior and pleasingly different. That's what, how we were founded. This club does not do that. We're not going to ship this thing to market until it best lives that out. And his people, which he, which was so interesting. Imagine two weeks on the job, and he's telling his team this. And and for some reason, for them, it was liberating. It was like finally a leader that doesn't isn't going to settle for average. I can go 
try and challenge and do new things. And now the only way if that works, Rob, is if Chip Brewer knew that it was going to take them a lot of golf clubs and a lot of money to go create something demonstrably demonstratively superior and pleasingly different. Mm -hmm. And he knew that going in. And so he said, here's the resources, here's the tools, here's the place to go make this innovation happen. And that club ended up being what's called X hot, which eventually really transformed the business and turned it around. And now they're the number two golf club manufacturer in the world on its way to number one. And, uh, and it's all because that leader knew that failure was not final. You're going to fail in order to innovate. And I have to be okay with that. Mm. That takes a lot of, as you said, courage as well. And, uh, I suppose high emotional intelligence in, in that leader. They've obviously lived that failure before. They can't just go in and, and come up with that. How how important are, are those elements and you know, where did Chip I suppose where did Chip get the uh courage and and mm. will to, to stick from that? Has he a backstory? He yeah, he's got a great backstory. He he came from another golf company that he had already turned around. And so they knew he, that that uh, an executive search firm found him and they knew that he had a, a, a history of turning around kind of organizations and building culture. And, uh, and so I think they probably knew that going in, but I think what's, what it's not, again, it's not unique to chip. He, he doesn't have a patent on it. Just like we talked about with Chick-fil-A, everybody listening can take that mindset into their teams. And it, and a lot of that, goes into how you think about failure. And if if someone's going to fail and you're going to come down on them like you're like they're the worst person ever because they tried something new and they failed or that you said that they're not capable anymore, then guess what? You're going to get a lot of people that just end up being yes men or yes women or whatever that just do whatever you say whenever you say to do it and guess what? That's the opposite of a culture of innovation. You need every single person on your team looking to solve problems, not just you. They're on the front lines every single day. They're the ones that know what the problems are, which means they have the best chance to solve it. And I think a lot of that comes from a leader's perspective. And, and again, it's not it's, – it's just thinking about it from the perspective. The only thing that just triggered my mind when you said that is about talent and people. And I think – I, I didn't ask Chip, but I wonder if at the time he knew the people that were in that room were capable of more. And and I I think about that a lot because if if he really thought that was as good as those people could do, would he have said that? Um, and I think some of that is just knowing your team and knowing your people and knowing the talent. And each that's going to be unique to each leader. But I do think talent plays a part, certainly in innovation. But we can learn to be more innovative. And uh, I think we all have another gear we can go up if, it, you know, being challenged by someone else. Yeah, no, definitely makes sense. And it brings me on to the, the area of talent and, and, and probably the final section of this conversation that I'm, I'm learning from. Um, war on talent, you know, zero unemployment is thrown out there a lot. It's very difficult to attract top talent into organizations how are leaders approaching that that you've dealt with over the the last while not only bringing folks in but keeping the ones they've got and you know managing to keep that attrition low and 
challenge those to to be more as you said well i think it it goes back to what we started with which is core values and and culture talented people are not attracted to empty core values they're attracted to the exercising of them a lot of organizations put core values on the wall or they have a ping pong table or a a draft beer, you know, whatever, you know, in the office, talented people, they don't care about that. They care is if those core values that are on the wall are lived out every single day, if they're exercised, because then it's like these, this, this leader, this organization, this culture means it. We've all worked in organizations with empty core values. And it's, it's just, it's a joke. It's an exercise that they went through one day and they put them on a website, they put them on walls, but they don't take them seriously. And so if you want to attract talented people in today's marketplace, differentiate yourself based on purpose, values, and opportunity. <laughs> I, I mean, again, I don't, it seems like, John, that's so simple. Yeah, it's simple, but it's hard to do. It's really hard to do. And then when you attract people based on those things and they're lived out and they're rewarded and recognized and talked about on an ongoing basis, you retain talent because people want to be a part of a ship going somewhere. You know, we, we all want to be a part of the ship going to Mars. I mean, I don't want to be on that ship, but you can, you know what I mean? Um, versus it going the other way. When, when that ship starts going the wrong direction, talented people are like, mm, I'm going to jump to this, this next ship that's not sinking. Yeah. And so I think that's where the ret- retaining, both the hiring and then the retaining of talent is, it's got to be focused in those areas. And oh, I was just going to, I was thinking about this and I wouldn't diminish relationships either. Meaning that the one-to-one relationships that leaders build with their people, uh, it goes a really long way. When it's difficult to find leaders who really care about their people. And I'll tell a really quick story. I was, in a, I was teaching a workshop last week and one of the leaders said to me, well, I don't want to get too close to my people because in case something bad happens, I have to be able to fire them. And, and I've been thinking a lot about that and I can't believe how wrong he is. You should get close to people. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends, but they have to know that you care about them on a deep level. Because that way, when that offer comes in for $10,000 more or for $20,000 more or to jump ship, they're like, I know I have a leader here who cares about me and my family and those kinds of things. I'm going to say no to that $10,000 raise because I'm not guaranteed to have a leader like that at that new company. And so I only bring that up. When you talk about retaining talent and HR and learning and development people and CEOs and COOs, like... Don't underestimate the power of relationships in order to retain talent. Sorry, I got fired up about that one. No, that's, I just, that's, I've been thinking about that a lot. No, no, I'm, I'm in your side of the, 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 the camp, but I'm putting a butt in just to kind of throw it out there. A lot of what I read and research and 
war on talent attracting people they're using data an awful lot to to you know use artificial intelligence or whatever sort of algorithms to mine data to say this person is going to be a good fit because x y and z but i still think the emotional connection and and the the softer skills is is so important but how how are you seeing a blend of both being implemented are are leaders talking about analytics for oh of course yeah i mean everybody's using assessments up front everybody's trying to get the right people in the right roles uh everybody's trying to leverage the strengths of that person in the right roles i mean i don't know any really forward-thinking organization that isn't using a series of assessments and data to get people in the right roles but that doesn't keep people in roles you know and that's where the relationships i believe become so important and not just not just that rob i mean a friend of mine was up for a promotion at a big big organization and he had all the really good relationships internally but the job description said 10 years of experience doing xyz and they eliminate him because he had eight and i'm sitting there thinking i'm like that's just a bad strategy for them for the organization i mean if the criteria the the criteria to hire people it's too rigid um you know does it help for the software to filter out thousands of job applications, I get it. But at the end of the day, if all we're doing is hiring people who are has all the credentials, are they going to continue to grow and develop? Do they want it really bad? Are they passionate about the work? I mean, all these things that you know, the sports teams. If there's there's a coach here in the U.S. named Sean McVay, he's 33 years old. If the St. Louis Rams had that on their job description, he would have never been hired. Yeah, he's one of the best young coaches in the league. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. And there's a really tough balance in data and assessments and requirements, and then the relationship and and someone just being thoughtful. Like I believe in that person. There's a guy that always told me he's an entrepreneur and he he's a big venture capital and he he always venture capitalist and he always says John. I bet on the jockey. I bet on the jockey, not the horse. And I think about that a lot because at the end of the day, we all we just have we gotta bet on people. We're human. It what it's what makes us unique. And so um the data's great, the analytics great, our strengths are great. Um and I think that's what's so unique from as leaders is we get to use the data, but we also get to follow our heart a little bit and we get to be human. And that is a complicated – I wish I had the answer for you, Rob. I don't. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, a complicated – You're close to it. I think you're, you're close to that, that answer. <laughs> you're, you're, you're digging and there's you know obviously more and more clarity coming every time. I'll, I'll finish up with one question. Is there anything in the last maybe 12 months that – you've experienced that you've learned that kind of has changed your views on on anything in the world of leadership i know the definition has only tweaked but any i suppose major learning that wow i saw something different there anything come up for you there put you on the spot i would say no i would say one thing that's become really clear to me maybe hasn't changed fully but become become really clear to me that um each person that's listening to this 
might not be able to become the greatest leader ever, but I know that they can get better. I know that they can improve. I know that if they reject their own selfish desires, they can go be a more effective leader at home with their spouse or partner or they can for their kids, uh, for coaching that baseball or soccer team or at work. Like if, if they can learn to reject the selfish desires in themselves, they can go be a more effective leader. And that impact on other people can go can well outlive them or well outlive what they're doing right now. And so I don't know that I always felt like that. I think early on I really thought, man, we're wired. Some leaders are born this way. Um, I Certainly I think some people are born with some genetics to predisposition to be a quote unquote leader. But I know each and every single person listening to this can go become a better leader if they do the work. Um, I guess the last thing I'll just close with is that there, there are some incredible programs out there. There's some incredible organizations invest in their people at a high level now. But at the end of the day, the people listening to this are in, are making the choice to invest in them. And I think that is an enormous secret today is those people that say, I'm not waiting on anybody else because my development is going to be a key to my success in life and I'm going to take ownership of that. And so I'm going to reject watching Netflix tonight because I'm going to go take you know a class or listen to Rob's podcast or listen to John's podcast or read this book. Like I'm going to go make the right choices. And Will it add up tomorrow on the scoreboard? I do not know. But I know it's the right behaviors and habits that require that it will add up eventually. Mm. I was I was watching this Bill Gates special on Netflix, which is ironic because I said you might not want to watch Netflix. But if, if the choice is something that I wanted to learn, I want to get inside the mind of this guy that is a billionaire that's created incredible companies and is doing phenomenal things in the world in terms of philanthropy. And I was enamored with the fact that the guy carries around 14 books mm. at a time, Rob. <laughs> Physical hard can, copies as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I listen to all my books for the most part now, but, uh, you know, I'm getting through one or two maybe a month. And this guy is just working 14 at a time. I'm like, I need to ratchet it up. I need to ramp it up. And I'm, and I'm, invested in myself so my advice to your to your listeners is the same thing you're already listening to this podcast which means you're already on the right path how can you ramp it up how can you have more urgency about your development and i think it will only serve you well yeah and i know every time you make that choice to read a book this is personal about people i talk to to read the book or get up that hour earlier to do that writing instead of watching netflix whatever you will instantly feel better by just taking that more wholesome choice I, I know from that mistakes i've made that although you were watching that extra episode of friends or whatever it didn't feel great uh, at the time you knew you were probably missing out so no i totally agree and you know the one percent better mindset is absolutely in in line with that john again thank you so much for taking the time out the book building the best out on the 15th of november this episode will be out before then I look forward to reading it. The last question on the book cover, it's 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 a red cover, isn't it? 
It is. I've it seen is. that. Was a big decision on what color to make the book. Yeah, it was between blue and red. Uh, and what's amazing is most people actually preferred the blue cover because it was a little more soothing. It was like a little bit more not as intense. Um, but our publisher McGraw Hill, you know, they 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 uh, they preferred the red one. And I, I, you know what the people don't walk into books bookstores and buy books like they used to. I mean, this one will be in bookstores, which is great. I love going to bookstores. Uh, so I, we decided on red the, the, uh, we had like a couple thousand people vote on it and it was almost dead even. So I I didn't get a lot of good data. If it was 75, 25, it would have made the data an easier decision, but, uh, but it was about 50, 50. Uh, I'll, I'll, I would just say this just to close to your audience and all the work that you're doing is, um, there are so many things that you can do in your life, but being a leader is one that you should take that decision really seriously. We need more people making the choices to inspire, empower, and serve others in, in order to elevate others. And we just need more people making that choice because the more people that make that choice, the better our companies are going to run, the better our families are going to run, the better our lives are going to run, our governments. I mean, and so if there's anything I can leave your audience with today is is just that idea that we need you to make that choice and no one can make it for you. Brilliant. Thanks again, John. Learnloft.com is the website, the book. People can go there, sign up to his newsletter, which I religiously read every Thursday and sometimes share out on LinkedIn just to get some cheeky likes from people and comments and stuff like that. So, <laughs> well, thanks, Rob. All right, John. Thanks a million. Great to talk to you. Absolutely, man. So this is the outro of the podcast, guys. You got to the end, and that is great. Please hang in here for another couple of minutes. I know most people won't, but maybe there's something here of interest. So check this out. First off, thanks so much for listening to this one, as well as maybe the 100 or so that's gone before it. Why not check them out if you haven't already? There's lots of good stuff in there. The whole podcasting journey for me has been a huge learning, and I'm trying to help you guys learn and improve as well. So much has changed over the last few years since I started it. I've really realized lots of the goals that I put out there and then realized so many unexpected benefits as well. And I think anytime you take on action towards a goal, you're going to pick up lots of things that you didn't expect along the way. And hopefully they're good things. In this particular episode, was there any one or two things that jumped out? Maybe you could take a pen and paper out right now because this is something that you might think of during the episode but never do. Do it now. Take it out. Write down a goal that you're going to set yourself as a result of something you learned from this episode. Put a plan in place and then work towards it. Applying yourself deliberately over time. Take ownership. Build a habit. Improve. Get 1% better. Share accountability with somebody you know in a buddy system and learn and grow and improve. That's what it's all about. That's my hopefully inspirational piece done other areas to note check out the website robofthegreen.ie you can consume everything there for free there is obviously the podcast there's video one minute monday clips there's articles Uh, not enough but i'd like to put more there if you're interested in putting one there let me know and there's a get better app page which i'm starting to add new content to over time there's a feedback page if you want to email me rob at rob of the green.ie instead but it's all about trying to engage you and 
get you to a place of improvement so i'm open to feedback as i said ways you can help me is by following me on the socials at rob of the green.ie is the website or at rob of the green on all the social platforms subscribe to the podcast on any of the apps that you might listen to it on talk about it tell a friend about it tell your family members about it share some of the ideas not only to your friends but to me is there anything i can improve upon sign up to the newsletter that's there as well i'm experimenting again with a group called slack rob of the green on slack this is really for a shared accountability environment and sharing ideas you can sign up to that on the website as well all of this is obviously all free but there is also an option where you could subscribe to my patreon site and make a small donation for the content that we do it's there it's totally up to you everything that is coming in through that or could come in through that will go into making the podcast better so to close i am always trying to improve and get better change is difficult i know that but it's all about taking the first step learning something applying yourself moving forward you can do this i've been able to improve pushing myself outside the comfort zone learning and i think if i can do it so can you don't overreach don't set yourself unrealistic goals one percent at a time is enough but it's all about starting and that will bring you on your pursuit of betterness to a great place. Thanks for sticking to the very end. Talk to you next time and take care. Good luck.